What does it mean to be the people of God? In our first reading this morning, we heard God's kind of answer to that question that he gave through Moses to his Old Testament people, the Israelites. If you recall, what's recorded in that first reading happened in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt. They gathered there in the wilderness around Mount Sinai, and God spoke to them. In other words, they still remembered. They still knew what had happened. They knew exactly what God was talking about when He said, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. What had happened? Well, for centuries, those people and their ancestors had been serving as slaves in the land of Egypt. They had been suffering. They had been mistreated. And God came. And God did miraculous signs and wonders. And and God sent plagues on those Egyptian overlords over His people and convinced them that those people should go free. And God Himself led the people out. And God made a path through the sea so that His people were going through the sea when the Egyptians, who had apparently changed their mind, were following after them to enslave them once again. And the path that God created through the sea, once His people were through, He had it collapse on the Egyptians behind them. And they drowned and died. But on the other side of the sea, there were God's people. They had been saved They were now safe. They were now free. They remembered that. So when God reminded them of those things, when God spoke in this way, and then He directed them for how they were to live their lives as His people, they said, everything that the Lord says, we will do. What did it mean for them to be the people of God? It meant that God had saved them and they were going to obey Him. Well, those ideas, that message is echoed again in the words that Jesus spoke in His Sermon on the Mount. We're just spending a couple of weeks on that sermon. It's much longer than this. We're looking at just a a small part of it. But today we heard Jesus telling the people who had gathered around Him, who were following Him, that God had made them God's people and that they should act like God's people. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And then he directed them to go out and act in a way that would preserve and enhance the world around them. He said, you are the light of the world. And so then he commanded them to go out and and live your lives in a way that, that shines through the darkness. 
And he even told them that their righteousness should surpass the Pharisees, those, those people whom everybody in their society thought were the best at this. The same ideas and concepts are echoed once again in the words of our sermon text today. The Holy Spirit led the Apostle Peter to write these words to to Christians who were scattered around the region that's generally today Turkey a number of years ago, many years ago, about 60 A.D., And those Christians were suffering because of their faith. They were facing persecution. And so they received this encouragement. Encouragement that told them that they were God's people and so they could live and act like God's people. And really, those words that Peter wrote by inspiration apply very directly to us today as well. We do very well to pay close attention as Peter says to us, now you are the people of God. So what does it mean for us to be the people of God? Peter paints some some wonderful pictures about that as he calls believers in Jesus Christ a A chosen nation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. Let's take those apart a little bit. He says you're chosen. When God speaks about choosing, when He he has the Bible tell us about God's choices, He reminds us that He chose us long before we could ever consider choosing Him. God chose you before you were born. God chose you before you were conceived. God chose you even before you were even considered by anybody other than God. God says that He chose you even before He created the world. That's how people become the people of God. God chooses them. He chose the Israelites in the Old Testament. He chose the apostles and the disciples. And He has chosen you. That's why you're here today as one of God's people. But don't even try to figure out why He chose you. Don't ask the question of what you did or how you convinced Him to make that particular choice because the fact was that until He chose you and until He changed you, you couldn't do anything good at all. Certainly nothing that would make him want to choose you. Which is why he did everything that had to be done to make you his own. You're his chosen people. You're his his royal priesthood. Let's think back again to our, our first reading. 
If you were to go back with those uh, Israelites who were gathered around the mountain uh, there in the wilderness of Sinai, you would have heard God shortly after the words that we heard today, you would have heard Him share His Ten Commandments. You would have also heard how He directed the people how he set up the nation of Israel and their laws and their policies, if you will. And one of the things that he set up for them was a system of priests. He chose particular people who would go between the holy God and his sinful people. And those priests were able to offer sacrifices. Those priests were able to go to God on behalf of the people. And now God says, you are priests. He says you can have direct access to Him with your prayers. And you can bring to Him directly your praises. You are priests. You are members of this priesthood. But that's not all. It's such a special priesthood because it is a royal priesthood. Connected to royalty. Connected to the King. He's he's made you a part of the King's family. That you have this this strong and intimate connection with that sort of power and authority and royalty. And there's still more. He says you're a holy nation, a nation that's been set apart just for Him and just for His purposes. And yes, he kind of finishes that section by saying, you are the people that is God's very own possession. You may not catch this at first, but everything that God wanted His Israelites to be when they were there at Mount Sinai, all that, all that about uh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, the Israelites never lived up to it. They couldn't do what God demanded. They couldn't live up to their part of the covenant that God was making with them there on Mount Sinai. They couldn't be all of these things, not in the way that God had planned for them to be. But now God says to you that you are those things. That you are the people of God. See that old way, that way of Sinai? That way used the word if a lot. If you listen, if you keep my covenant, then you will be my special treasure. But Peter doesn't say if when he talks about you and me. No, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not been shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. No one ever deserved the opportunity to be the people of God. Nobody earned that right. Nobody deserved it. Adam and Eve were created in the very image of God and even they were only God's holy people for a very short time before they fell into sin and gave in to temptation. The Israelites have been rescued from Egypt with God Himself leading their way 
through miracles and signs and wonders and displays of God's power. And before they even got to Mount Sinai, they were grumbling and they were complaining against God. That's how people act and react. And if you think that you are better prepared or better equipped or somehow just better that God should want you as His own people, I'd like you to think about doing a little exercise with me. Take out a sheet of paper and write down your resume. Go ahead and list your qualifications for God. And you describe for Him and you explain to Him why He should just ignore all the wrong stuff, all the hurtful stuff, all the painful stuff that you've done and make you His own possession. And then here's what you do. You take that resume that piece of paper and you crumple it up into a ball and you toss it in the trash because that's exactly what it's worth. And then marvel and be astounded at the fact that God writes to you what He writes through the pen of St. Peter. Now you have been shown mercy. Now you are the people of God. He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. In a way, what happened was a different resume was put on God's desk. And that resume didn't have all the bad stuff and all the hurtful stuff and all the dark marks. That resume was... Amazing and pure and holy. This was the resume of Jesus. He could put on that resume that from the time of his conception until his last breath, all he did was serve God and serve the people around him. And God accepted that resume, but he did more than just accept that resume. He accepted that resume for you. Jesus took all that stuff on your life's resume, all the hurtful stuff, all the bad stuff, all the wrong stuff, and he took it to himself. And he suffered the consequences. He took the fall. He paid the price. He suffered for it and he died. And he defeated death and sin and hell and he rose again and that's how you know with absolute certainty that God accepted what Jesus did on your behalf. That is how and that is why God can say to you, now you are the people of God. Nothing's going to change that truth. But that truth changes everything about you and about your life. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
And he says, go out and let your light shine so that people can see the good that you do. And Peter echoes those words when he says that we've been called out of darkness to proclaim his praises. You are so be. Now you are the people of God, so be the people of God. Live as the people of God. Peter warns us, we have a sinful flesh. And the desires of our sinful flesh war against our soul. There are temptations, not just out there around us, but temptations that come right from our hearts within us. And again and again, we give in to those temptations. We fall to them. But when God made you His own people, when He washed your sins away in baptism, He, he made you a new person. He gave you a new heart, a heart that beats only for Him and for His will. He equipped you with everything you need. And He still equips. He still feeds you with His Word and sacrament. He gives you Christ's body and blood for you to eat and to drink. He reminds you again and again that you really are His people whom He enables and empowers to live for Him and to glorify Him in the world. He repeatedly tells you that you are His. So don't go back to the trash and try to dig out that old ratty resume that you filled out before. Don't think that because God has allowed you to do good works that now that's going to cover over those black marks that were on your resume from before. God made you His people. He did what had to be done. You rely on Him. And then go out and live as his people. Peter writes this way to us. Tells us that our lives should be lived in such a way that even those people out there, you know the ones who call good evil and evil good, they're going to look at our lives and they're going to have to admit that our deeds are noble deeds. they're going to have to come to the point where ultimately they glorify God. That's what God has called you to be. God's very own people once gathered around Mount Sinai and heard God Himself speak. Now, today, His people gather around His Word and His sacraments. God's own people once gathered around to listen to Jesus preach His Sermon on the Mount. We still listen to that sermon from the pages of Scripture. God's people who were once scattered all over regions of the Roman Empire received a letter from God through the pen of St. Peter that encouraged them. And we get to read that letter still today. 
even though as Christians we're scattered all over the entire face of the earth. And here's what it says to you. And to everyone who believes in Jesus as Savior, it says, now you are the people of God. Amen.